the Sunflower Podcast is your go-to podcast for entrepreneurship and business strategy. This is the Sunflower Podcast. Welcome back to Sunflower Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Olson, here with Rob Ryan. Rob, it's always good to be with you. Well, thank you. So, Rob, you know, we've been talking, we've gone through the Sunflower model, but there's so much more to entrepreneurism. Do you want to explain, you know, what we want to do with this podcast in the future um, with exploring different topics of entrepreneurism? Well, the idea on Sunflower was first written up uh, 20 years ago uh, in a book called, uh, at that time, Entrepreneur America, and later renamed by uh, Cornell Press to Smart Ups. I think you can still buy smartups from Cornell Press. All the monies go to Cornell Press, by the by. Uh, Sunflower was chapter three in, in that uh, book, if you will. And it, of course, as you know, if you've gone through the other eight podcasts that Sunflower was developed in real time during uh, Ascend's uh, status in life, and it helped grow Ascend to a uh, a very large company and successful company. But the thought has been that we should probably go over some of the other lessons from that book because they're basic lessons on entrepreneurship that don't really age. Uh, even though they're 20 years old and the examples in the book are 20 years old, the mistakes made are similar today, um, ironically. So sort of uh, giving credence to common sense isn't uh, that common, really. So one of the first chapters was a fun chapter called Which Wannabe Are You? And really that was a way of reflecting on uh, who you are and what kind of entrepreneur are you? And a, a good way to look at that in a way that I looked at it is kind of through a set of questions. Different entrepreneurs would, uh, over 20 plus years I've interacted with, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say thousands of entrepreneurs. And while you can't categorize them into you know, a handful of types, you can see a handful of uh, mistakes that keep, uh, occurring over and over again. And I thought we might take, uh, take that and run with it. Uh, so that's the entrepreneur wannabe uh, chapter. So as we, you know, looking at the, the wannabe entrepreneur, could you give a you know, clear definition of what a wannabe is in your terms? Yeah, I think, it was some, somebody that in, in retrospect looks back on their entrepreneurial efforts and wishes they had more mentorship and more advice similar to what, what I'm trying to provide. Because they, they look back and they see a series of mistakes. In retrospect, big mistakes that got them into different kinds of trouble. And the whole point of this book 20 years ago and doing the podcast now is that we can maybe avoid that for entrepreneurs, that they can maybe make new mistakes, but maybe avoid these mistakes. Um, and Wannabe was a funny way of capturing uh, 
some of the mistakes that get made when you first introduce, or when I was first introduced to an entrepreneur, rarely, very rarely did an entrepreneur come in, and I would say how rarely, one in 150, where I look at the entrepreneur and I'm thinking, wow, um, amazing team, amazing core competencies, really good vision for uh, how they're going to exploit their core competencies, really good uh, possibility that the team could actually execute on, on that. Uh, that's really, really rare. One in 150 is probably even too high a probability for it. Most of the teams come in lacking. Um, and that, if is not corrected in real time very quickly, you know, begins to uh, make a team not as effective. I think almost every entrepreneur has a, some idea that how hard it is to actually be very successful, to, to be a mega success entrepreneur that you read about is <clears throat> sort of the stuff made of legends. And for VCs, it's really what drives their firms. Um, having one of those every couple of years, um, at least one is what fuels the results and more limited partners and the ability to give out more money to others. So all of us want to be in that category. And when I was doing my company, I didn't really have a vision of, you know, how do I become a super entrepreneur and how do I become a super company? The only thing that was driving me was I really, really wanted to be good, very good and very competitive at whatever we decided we were going to be doing. And I figured if I if I was that, the results might, you know, be good. So with that, there's a number of ways we can actually explore the wannabe area. And there's a lot of different working types. And one of the ways that I drove that in the past was what I call symptoms of wannabe madness. And they were reflected in questions. Do you see yourself in this? <laughs> if you if you do, then uh, you're going to need to have some remedies. <laughs> so let me begin. Uh, let's call it wannabe madness. And wannabes are not a purgative term. They're simply a term of it's incomplete. The entrepreneur doesn't know what he doesn't know. That's bad. Um, and he sort of wanders into things and in many cases, he's driven very uh, harshly for the chicken and egg problem, money. So he's trying to raise money desperately because of course he needs money to do whatever it is he thinks he's gonna be so great, right? But it, invariably nobody is really anxious besides his family perhaps to throw money at him. Um, why is that? The, the classic chicken and egg is I want you to show me this stuff uh, and customers before I you know, put any real money into the whole thing. So how does one avoid that? So these symptoms of madness are all examples where people 
except in one or two cases of the wannabes didn't avoid them. They sort of got uh, crunched. Um, so let's, let's just sort of start with a handful of questions um, and see if you, uh, as an audience, see yourself there. First question is, did you form a hastily assembled lopsided team with lots of friends as players with you? Was your attitude that it's more important to get bodies on the team to make sure that there are absolutely the most perfect bodies? Now that's an interesting question. When teams get formed, a lot of times teams get formed because your friends, your work friends, your friend friends, your college friends, lopsided is referring to your skill sets. Um, you know, do you have uh, congruent skill sets? So if you had somebody that has some sales and marketing type skills and really has exhibited sales and marketing skills, and they're, they're teamed up with somebody that is a real high tech priest, that's a pretty good thing, if you're, especially if you're gonna do a tech company. That sounds like a pretty good mating um, right there, but they're not that way. So they'll come in, uh, these kinds of teams where they're very lopsided. There might be two or three people claiming that they're skilled in the marketing and sales area, which may or may not be true. But one thing we can determine is they're not skilled in the technology and engineering area, but yet they're proposing a technology company. How do they get around that in their mind? Well, in their mind, they rent uh, an engineer, rent a scientist. And having gone through the other podcasts and learning about core competencies, they violated a big principle already. The core competencies are not in your company. You're now renting core competencies from somebody else for your product. So you're off to a poor start. So these are kinds of ways we can explore through questions, you know, how entrepreneurs uh, interact in the early days and during their company. Yeah, that's great. So going back to what you just said about, you know, those missing core competencies, if you brought someone in on your management team versus, you know, renting from an outside agency, would that, uh, you know, was that, a wannabe entrepreneur, would you say, or are you completing your team and are you guts and brains entrepreneur for doing so? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to find you know, in my team members uh, the core competencies that I think that are necessary to execute the game plan. Um, and if I'm trying to build uh, a high tech company of some kind, then I'm going to be looking at adding, adding to the team, not renting, adding to the team and making them co-founders and making them just as committed as I am, um, you know, the technology people necessary. If I'm a, a marketing and sales type company, then I would be trying to add that kind of ta talent and make them, you know, integral and pay them in an integral way and have them as a founder or co-founder in an integral way. Because you, it's, you can't have it both ways. You can't say you're a technology company 
but you don't have any technologists on board, or if you do, they're very low level technologists and they're paid accordingly and they're not that meaningful to your, your structure, that, that doesn't fly. So I'm sure, you know, throughout your career, you've seen a lot of these wannabe entrepreneurs and wannabe companies. Um, can you give some examples of some that you've seen? I know you give an example in the book where you see an entrepreneur uh, team, entrepreneurial team come to you. They're not really ready uh, to jump into this company. Um, you tell them to go back and get their stuff together. They come back to you and, you know, they totally transformed into guts and brains entrepreneurs. Yeah, that, that kind of phenomenon um, happens rarely. Um, you know, uh, in, in, our, in the mode that uh, we are right now in Sunflower Academy, we're trying to reach out to entrepreneurs around the world through the Sunflower Academy and through these podcasts and trying to give them the benefits of my years of wisdom uh, without trying to get anything from entrepreneurs. In other words, I'm not trying to be a member of their board or get equity from them or any other kind of compensation uh, from them. But quite frankly, I don't need it. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's fun to see if you can set somebody on the, on the, uh, the right track. Um, you know, when they come in, there are, there are different teams, you know, they'll come in with a, a lot of enthusiasm and every team has to have enthusiasm. And I think one of the best things that a team can do is understand what they don't know. Um, in other words, to acknowledge that they're not strong in the XYZ, but they need to be strong in XYZ. And they are attempting to actually fill that gap. And that, <clears throat> is really difficult to do. Uh, the more experienced a person is, in other words, the more they've been out in industry and interact, the more their network is, and the more their network may actually have people of skills and the more possibility they have to draw those people into a, a startup. Today, as it was 20 years ago, it's super hard to form teams and to get the right talent. So the, your best way is through your networking and best, best way is when you really know the people and have worked with the, with the people. I don't know if I answered or gave you yeah. a- Yeah, no, I think that was great. Um, what are some key attributes that you can see in entrepreneurs that really separate them, you know, separates the wannabes from uh, the guts and brains? Well, I think a couple of the key attributes are they're, they're patient. Um, they actually, they're, they're not thinking that they're going to clone something um, that's already on the market and make it a little different and get it out there rapidly and see how things are gonna go. They're actually looking in a different way. They're looking to take a path that may be less traveled. In other words, they're looking to find real problems that haven't been solved and that for which customers would ultimately pay you, uh, but they're not necessarily easy to solve. And so to 
you know, to fashion a team to fashion solutions for that takes patience, takes courage. Um, and it, you're also walking a path that others aren't walking. Um, those kind of entrepreneurs are few and far between. Um, they're the ones who tend to do more transformative things, things that are not just sort of replicating things that are in the market space today, but just changing it a little bit. Um, they're actually trying to turn things upside down. Uh, and when you're in that category of an entrepreneur and you're assembling a team to do that kind of, your probabilities of success, first of all, are spread out over a long period of time. But if, you know, the transformational kinds of entities that I look for um, have a reasonable probability of being successful because they're walking a different path. They're not gonna get run over by 500 other people that are you know, on the same path. Those are the kinds of entrepreneurs that you call them, uh, you know, the, uh, the top breed on, entrepreneurs that I think everybody can be. Why do I think that is? Because it's a way of thinking. And if you're actually trying to think in a way that you're disruptive and innovative, then you already put yourself on a different path. If you are thinking, how do I quickly, you know, get something out and just modify it this way, and then you're deluding yourself to thinking that's going to make a big difference, even though there are 14 other versions. Let me give you an example. There are um, companies that deliver food. Um, and they've become quite popular during the, the pandemic. And there are quite a few of them, aren't there? Um, I haven't personally used any of them, but I know there's quite, quite a few of them. And I also know that they're not making money. They're not terribly profitable. And they're delivering a lot of food, I might, might add. And the people that are paying them are, gri are griping about, but nobody's actually happy about the, the whole area. So something's missing there. You know, the business model is not complete. Um, nobody's happy. They're not making money. The, their customers think they're paying too much for it. And the people receiving the food, I guess they're reasonably happy because they're getting it to their, to their doorstep. But when you have these um, incongruities like that, you, and then you see multiple of them, they're not just one of them out there. There's a lot of them out, you know, out there. And they're all pretty much got the same business model. Now, the person that comes to the table in that space, let's say, with a different view of the business model um, that actually creates more smiles. In other words, it does create profits. It does make your customer okay with you to give you those profits because they're, they're getting something big out of it. Um, they're going to be a big winner. So... There's a marketplace that already exists, which has a reasonable number of people running around in it. And there's quite a bit of money floating in that area. And it's all kind of, doesn't look like real companies to me. They're not that terribly profitable. That's great. Well, Rob, you know, I think we're just about out of time, but you know, next week we're gonna dive deeper into wannabes and tackle some other questions that you bring up in, uh, in your book. 
Um, but thanks everyone for listening to Sunflower Podcast. I'm Andrew Olson here with Rob Ryan. If you're enjoying these podcasts, I encourage you to go ahead and leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. Um, go ahead and follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn at the Sunflower Academy. You can also follow Rob on LinkedIn at Robert Ryan. Um, and if you have a question that you'd like to ask Rob here on the air in an upcoming episode, go ahead and message us at Sunflower Academy on LinkedIn and we'll try to get it featured here. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time.